Welcome to The Good Goddess Show, a weekly podcast for women who are fed up, are feeling bloated and tired. I'm your host, Kezi Hall, holistic nutritionist and all-around health geek. Let's dive in to the show. Welcome to today's episode. This is a bonus episode where I'm sharing with you the birth story of my twin girls. So this is a positive, vaginal, hospital-based birth story that I'm excited to share with you. Um, If you are looking for birth stories and positive birth stories, then I hope you enjoy this. Also, please share this with anyone you know who is on the hunt for um, positive and peaceful birth stories, especially if they're having twins or multiples, because I know that I really loved hearing those stories. So today's a bonus episode. I'm so glad you're here. This is going to be a bit different from normal. This whole episode is going to be me sharing how um, Rainbow and Luna entered the world and how that went. And I'm just going to be sharing with you the details, how I felt supported in that, how I balanced um, my desire for a natural birth and low intervention versus um, conventional medicine and the medical route and just the risks Um, that come with having twins. So I really hope that this equips you, that you enjoy the story, um, but also that this equips you if you're ever in a similar situation where you are needing to navigate what is best for you, your body, maybe your children, and balance those um, two things, the, the conventional medicine and a what you could call a more holistic or natural approach. And they can work really nicely together. So I'm hoping that this is an example of that. So this is a bonus episode. I hope you enjoy it. I will kind of get straight to it. Um, I've been meaning to share this. The girls turn one when this lives, when this goes live, it is their first birthday. So I have actually been sitting on this for a year and I am a pretty private person. Um, I share a lot on the internet, but I, there's lots of things I do not share on the internet, on the podcast, on Instagram, on my emails. So just so you, just so you know that if you know me in person, just so you know, (laughs) um, I, and, and I sat with it for a while. I wanted to just process it myself. And sometimes I feel like because I do a podcast, I should quote unquote, should share more stuff about me. And then I rebel against that. (laughs) and don't do anything. But I also, there's been a lot going on behind the scenes this year as their first year of being born. A lot of stuff not at all related to their birth that has just meant I um, have needed just a lot of time to sit and process and all of that kind of thing. And I just really felt it was right to wait until their first birthday. So this really feels like the right time. I'm doing it in an evening, which I never do with the podcast. I've got a candle lit. And I really feel like now's the time that this story needs to go into the world. And I'm so glad you're here to listen to it. Um, So, welcome to the story of Rainbow and Luna coming to the earth in February 2021. If you are a long-term listener of this podcast, I'm guessing that you'd love to have more energy and a better belly, perhaps more balanced hormones, healthier, more glowy skin, more stable mood, better sleep, and for healthy eating to just feel 
a whole lot easier for all those lifestyle habits that I hop on about to just feel like a no-brainer. I'm guessing you would like some of that. If that's the case, then know that if you enjoy this podcast, then when I'm working with my clients in my online nutritional clinic, these are the topics we go so deep into. And when we work together, or if we work together, you would get a completely personalized, data-driven, holistic plan that is going to help you to see some phenomenal results in a short amount of time. I use a holistic and functional medicine-based approach, looking at lifestyle medicine, nutritional science, and preventative medicine, using a functional medicine approach, another way of saying a whole person approach, that really helps you to see progress in a short amount of time. Honestly, the results my clients see blows my mind (laughs) every single week. And as of recording this, I do have space for new clients. So if you are sick and tired of going it alone, if you're feeling stuck, overwhelmed, frustrated that all your proactive attempts have led to zero progress, if you're really confused because every time you Google something, you get told five different things, if you've tried supplements, dietary changes, some of the stuff I've talked about maybe on this podcast, but you're not seeing results, chances are you need a comprehensive, personalized plan. And honestly, when you get that, you make so much more progress in such a short period of time. So if you are interested at all in working with me, know I have some space for a couple of new clients. I do get fully booked up quite quickly, so I don't know how long this will be for. Go to keziahall.com forward slash book to book in a free Zoom call. These are free calls where we just have a really informal conversation. You don't have to commit to anything. It's a very chilled vibe and we can just chat through what's going on in your body, what lab tests we might run, what your program might look like, what you're struggling with, what I think could help. I'll answer any questions that you have and you just have the opportunity to find out more. If you are at all interested, I'd love to chat with you. It would be so, honestly, it would just be so lovely to chat with you. Um, then go to keziahall.com forward slash book. That's keziahall.com forward slash book to book in your free Zoom call so we can chat more about what your unique personalized program could look like and how you could be making incredible progress in just a couple of months. So it's keziahall.com forward slash book. I would love to chat to you. I know it's a bit weird booking to chat to some lady on the internet, but honestly, it will be a lot of fun. Okay. So pause this podcast, book in your call and let's chat soon. Lovely. Okay. So rainbow and Luna, how they came into the world. I've been sitting on this a long time and now feels like the right moment. And I do feel emotional about it not in a bad way like a oh I'm still really traumatized from their birth but in a yeah just birth is a big deal I just want to put it out there I know um birth as a process and a ritual is often not given the respect and reverence um that I think it deserves Um, and has done in in times past but birth is a really big deal it's not doesn't make it any less of a deal if you've never given birth of course but if you have gone through the process of birth I just want to give you permission to take up space with your story with your birth story I sometimes chat to clients that are still traumatized um, from their 
birthing experiences many, many years later. So I want to encourage you, this podcast is to share a positive um, birth story with you that feels really good and I feel really privileged to have had. Um, But if that's not the case for you, I really encourage you, take up space, look at that, process that. Birth is so important. It's such a brutal, messy, unglamorous and um, massively spiritual process. It's like, it's, birth is like all of these opposites in one process. It's like bringing life into the world and it's also like shitting your pants <laughs> in front of people. It's like creating a unique human whose DNA has never been seen here before on the planet. And it's like mooing like a cow and like dripping water and pee for hours on it. You know, it really is both. It's and it's beautiful and and brutal. It is transformative and totally natural. It's deeply spiritual and your body knows how to do it. It's it's all these things. So I just encourage you, if you have given birth, to write it down, write your story down. I know there was a bit of resistance in me even sharing this on the podcast because I'm like, ugh, who wants to hear another birth story? It's not like that impressive. I'm not that impressive for doing it. You know, all the things, but you can just tell that part of yourself. Cheers, but (laughs) I'm going to move on. So birth story. Quick backstory, if you don't know, I am... got pregnant with twins in mid 2020. Obviously it was only at the 12 week scan that I realized I had, it was twins. Um, and that was, that was quite the surprise. (laughs) I've got lots of podcasts sharing that with you. So, uh, yeah. Um, my pregnancy, I suffered with hyperemesis, hyperemesis gravidarium. Again, I have another podcast on that, so I can share that with you, which was brutal. And that, to be honest, is something that I, um, I'm still processing some of the trauma and difficulty around. Um, that's still, still, there's still some nausea that lingers on. There's still some things I, yeah, find very upsetting about that. Um, and then the girls were born in February, 2021. So I'm going to just focus in a little bit on the main kind of birth and But before I do that, I'm going to share with you a bit on how I prepared for birth. So I had a son who is, who was two and a half when the twins were born. And um, with his birth, we did a lot of hypnobirthing. We did some NCT classes, which is, I think it's a charity in the UK um, that looks at um, birth classes. I did a lot of visualizations and meditations and I had planned on a home birth with my first birth. Unfortunately, um, I needed, well, and chose to get transferred to hospital in that first um, birth with my son, um, which was a really good choice. Um, but there was, it wasn't smooth sailing, let's just say. It wasn't terrible by any means, but um, yeah, it was, it was hard. And the bits that were hard were some um, neglect in the hospital and from treatment and aftercare and those kinds of things. So not going to that, but overall there was, you know, good parts. The biggest was just the disappointment of not having a home birth, which I love. And so when I, before I even got pregnant again, um, when I was thinking about whether I even wanted to have another baby, I was thinking if I did, I would probably go for a home birth. The home birth midwives that I had, and I'm very privileged to have access to here in Scotland, if you want to have a home birth, you have like a midwife home birth team. Um, they were like in the aftercare of my first 
birth. They were like, you, if you want to do a birth again, you'd be totally fine. This is really common. And um, she said 60% of first time births and mums who have home births get transferred to hospital. Anyway, so this is what I thought. I thought if I got pregnant again, I'd most likely definitely have a home birth or at least go to like a birthing suite midwife led unit because FYI, home births are pretty messy. And the last thing you want to be doing is cleaning up loads of stuff after you've given birth. Anyway, so, uh, and then when we found out we're having twins, um, I only really started to think about birth um, good halfway through um, the pregnancy or, well, probably when I found out I was having twins, to be honest. Um, because up until that point, I was just too sick to function very well to even think about birth. I wasn't sure I'd make it through the whole pregnancy. So, um and with this second pregnancy and second birth, I didn't really do any um, anything super uh, rigid. I did a lot of visualizations and meditation. Um, I do that anyway. So I did a lot of um, positive birth companies visualizations and affirmations and a couple of the hypnobirthing meditations that I did. I didn't actually find hypnobirthing that helpful in hindsight. Um I, I actually wish I'd not, because I did a, a course and the people in it and the people that did it were really lovely and the people we met were really lovely, but I actually think I needed, it, I needed to, what would have helped me more was just to really find my own path with it. I think hypnobirthing actually set me up with some quite rigid expectations that I actually, I don't know if it was that helpful for, or it could have just been being a first time, giving birth for the first time. Anyway, so when I found out I was having twins, the true researcher in me did a little bit of research um, because with twins and multiple pregnancies, there does come more risk. And um, depending on the type of twins that you're having and how the pregnancy goes, generally speaking, twins are a higher risk, put you in a higher risk category, whatever your age. Um, so also the girls, I was pregnant through the pandemic and... Um, the hospitals, lockdowns, all of those kinds of things. So it looked like a home birth wasn't going to be an option because uh, where I lived, the home birth team had been put on pause for a while. Also with the risks involved, I wasn't sure I really wanted to risk it. Um, I also had a relatively unmedicated first birth and I wasn't sure I wanted to do that again. Um, I was a bit like, well, I mean, <laughs> again, each to their own, but I was like, well, if I can't have drugs, like, why not? Also, I'm pushing two out. So <laughs> I was a bit like, I think I'm going to want all the drugs. And I was just a lot more open to that. So, and if you want uh, an epidural anyway, you need to give birth in hospital. So I wanted to have the option of an epidural. So that was when I could have had, I could have pushed for a home birth. It's my body, my babies. I can, you know, remember that ladies, you can do whatever the heck you want. You might get recommendations else, elsewhere, uh, elsewhere, elsewise. Anyway, otherwise, that's the word. But your body, your birth, your babies, you can birth the way that you want. But I wanted to have the option of an epidural. So consequence of that is hospital birth. Um, that wouldn't have been my ideal. There is a little, this is a positive birth story, but there is a little bit of sadness. I would have really loved to have given birth at home and have a fully natural birth, but that's just not the way it goes. And I do use the word natural birth in kind of air quotes because that's just a whole other 
topic. It's also why I don't call this birth a natural birth. I call it a, vag- a vaginal delivery with the girls, um, which I know some people are a bit like, oh, why do you, you say vaginal so much? Because yeah. But I say that just because I don't think uh, uh, vaginal delivery is necessarily like my birth with the girls was positive, but I wouldn't necessarily call it natural, if that makes sense. And I think just because you have a C-section doesn't automatically mean it doesn't feel natural. So I just think that word is not helpful in terms of delivery. Anyway, that's just my perspective. So the girls were, um, thankfully, despite being super sick in pregnancy, the girls were actually very healthy for a twin pregnancy. Um, Through the research that I did, um, because honestly, I didn't know anything about having twins. I didn't know anyone with twins. I didn't know, didn't actually realize twin pregnancies came with that much more risk. And then I was like, oh, geez, (laughs) turns out they do. So I constantly had to keep on with my visualizations, my meditation, calming down my nervous system and just trusting my body. Like my body chose to get pregnant with twins um doesn't run in the family we didn't do IVF we didn't like this was my body chose this and while it terrified me I was so scared of that I just wouldn't be able to cope and that birth would be horrendous and all of these things I was scared I just kept on meditating focusing on the wisdom of my body trusting my body practiced calming my nervous system with breathing breath work visualization music cues just really um, visualizing that end goal. And the thing, the thing I kept visualizing was um, birthing the girls and saying, I did it. I did it. Look at them. I did it. Um, and I kept on visualizing that over and over. I visualized a C-section delivery because that looked very likely with twins. I visualized a vaginal delivery. I visualized all the positive outcomes that could be. I visualized what it might be like if they needed to be in, um, if they were premature, which again, the risk is much higher, if they needed to be in the NICU ward and, you know, neonatal ward, visualize that. Not in a worrying way, just in a, um, uh, in a preparing myself and staying calm, whatever those situations, learning to calm my nervous system, whatever the outcome, and being really open-handed to the outcome, not being set on any specific outcome necessarily. My goal, my preference was to have a vaginal delivery, was to deliver both the girls um, vaginally because it leads to better health outcomes than C-sections. That's just really clear in the research. But I was also very much like every other day, I kind of would just think maybe I should just book a C-section like that would be like that just sounds like a good option right now. So I was constantly throughout the pregnancy, the last trimester, constantly kind of just giving myself permission to just go, you know what, maybe I'll just book a C-section. Not because and I don't say give permission as in like, you know, you really shouldn't do that. But I just wanted to be really open. But really deep down, my desire was to have a vaginal delivery because partly strategically, Kezia, researcher, nerd here, I knew that I really struggled to breastfeed my son. I couldn't exclusively breastfeed him because of low milk production. I think it's called hyperplasia, hypoplasia. Anyway, I just don't make enough um, breast milk, no matter how much I tried and various other issues. So he was combination fed, which actually worked out brilliantly for me. So I knew that that was probably going to be the same with the girls. If I didn't have enough milk supply to feed one baby, it's probably really unlikely. I, I just knew I wouldn't be able to exclusively breastfeed two babies. Um, that was just, it's made, it's practical. 
for me. Um, so I knew with that, I really ideally would love them to not be born by C-section because I knew they would probably have a lot of formula, might be even exclusively formula fed. And so just the health outcomes are better. I just want, you know, you know all moms just want to set their kids up as much as they can. Don't ever blame yourself if you can't, but if you can, the, you know, you want C-section breastfed baby. Uh, but I knew they weren't going to be exclusively breastfed. It's not C-section, sorry, vaginal <laughs> delivery and a breastfed baby. Um, that's not, um, my girls have been formula fed from three months on. Um, and I'm totally okay with that. I, I, I know so much of this conversation is really charged. I don't, there was, there was definitely some emotion along the way, but I really made these decisions. Um, what I'm talking about here is not emotion and what's better or right or wrong. It's just that I'm quite detached with it, if that makes sense. Like from a research perspective, like as I'm a nutritionist, of course, breast milk is more nutrient dense than formula, but I still fed my girls formula from three months on exclusively because nutritionally speaking, breast milk is much better, but formula was so the right choice. And I'm so glad I stopped breastfeeding them at three months. So glad. And I'm so proud that I got to three months. with twins for sure. So I I just want to, I know these topics can feel really charged, really emotional. People have very strong feelings about them. Um, and often when you state some facts, people assume that you're telling them you're wrong, which, you know, actually you just, yeah, want to look some of the facts with that. Anyway, sidetrack. So the, um, I was, I met, uh, with my consultant very regularly when you have a twin pregnancy you actually go to the hospital a lot more you have a lot more scans you actually chat to a doctor which I never did with my first pregnancy with my son chat to a consultant regularly make birth plans quite early just chat to the midwives at one point uh, towards the end last trimester was every two weeks going for a scan going for all of these kinds of things so there's a lot of support which I'm so grateful for the girls were growing well everything was looking healthy I was prepared for them to be born anytime from 32 weeks onwards a high proportion of twin pregnancies are born before 36 weeks that's quite commonplace so from 32 weeks I had like hospital bags packed like we had car seats I was ready because in my head I was like okay like this could happen. And I do tend to be a bit of a worst case scenario person, not in a depressing way. It actually really helps me to feel more peaceful when I've thought through all the outcomes, if that makes sense. And I'm kind of prepared. I'm a, like, I've never been a Girl Scout, but you know, be prepared vibe. So by 32 weeks, that was basically after Christmas, start of January, I was kind of like, I had wound down work, I'd just basically gone on maternity leave and then was just kind of felt like I was waiting for them to be born. Um, uh, doctors and consultants generally prefer um, twin babies to be born at 37 weeks. So um, I was often asked to schedule an induction or a C-section um, and get that sorted. I always um, said no because I didn't really want to have an induction and um, the girls were healthy and fine. So I didn't really see what the fuss was about and I'd had no real problems with my first birth so um I did in last minute change hospitals that I was going to give birth in quite last minute I think I changed at like 35 36 weeks just because I felt a bit of pressure from the consultants that I was under they, they just seemed a bit stressed to be honest and a bit like 
fear-mongery and not very chilled, which was just not the vibe I wanted to. Didn't really feel like they listened. Um, so I changed. Um, and uh, some other twin mums recommended a different hospital that was actually close to my house. So I gave, uh, I switched and went to the twin clinic there. And I think I only met with the consultant once or twice there, who was the twin who ran the twin clinic. And she was lovely, really open-minded. She was like, no, you don't like, if you don't want to have induction, that's fine. I refused at first. You can just come in and have scans and sweeps. And she was really up for vaginal delivery because there was also a fair amount of pressure to um, have a C-section. They, uh, from my experience, um, they want twins to be born at 37 weeks and uh, would prefer a C-section delivery for that. I was really up for having a C-section delivery. I just wanted to see if they would come naturally or vaginally on their own. Um, and I didn't, I didn't like the idea of major surgery. <laughs> Let's be honest. Um, and I really wanted them to, to get that kind of support of their microbiome, which happens through vaginal delivery as you get. As a baby comes through the birth canal, they get like that exposure to your vaginal microbiome, which really sets the blueprint and the tone for their own microbiome. So that inoculation, as it were, in research is really significant and really useful. Doesn't mean there's loads of stuff you can do if you have a C-section. You know, nothing is permanent with our health, so don't freak out. But, you know, that's uh, being the microbiome nerd <laughs> that I am. <laughs> you can see why I would make that choice. Um, and this new consultant was really up for it. So anyway, this is a lot of waffling. I need to get to the point. So on, so I'd refused an induction, got to 37 weeks, refused an induction, had a scan, got to 38 weeks. And because I'd refused to be induced, they wanted to see me twice a week for a scan to just check on growth rate because there is a, um, a slight higher risk of a slowdown of growth rate. And I think it's, is it stillborn? After 37 weeks with multiples. Um, so I went to the hospital also like kicking, you know, movements, all those kind of things. I'd gone to the hospital because I didn't feel it's quite tricky with twins trying to figure out how much movement there is. If it's just, if one's moving, if two's moving, yeah, all that thing. Um, so I'd gone to the hospital because I'd felt like, you know, some, there hadn't been as much movement as usual. We'd done a scan. There was a couple of concerns with the growth rate based on the last scan they hadn't grown as much now scans aren't always that accurate I don't think um, as far as I'm aware so this might have been not been a huge problem but by this point I was 38 weeks I had been having like contractions on and off for about two weeks up until this point like times when I thought when I you know I'd have contractions Braxton Hicks essentially go for a walk they'd get worse I'd be like oh maybe this is going to become labor and then it just disappear and so to be honest I was totally fed up I felt huge sore tired. I was at such a grim pregnancy. I was so ready to not be pregnant. So I had a consultant suggest that they would like to induce me at 38 weeks after seeing the scan and being a bit concerned about their growth rate. Also, I had been a bit concerned about their movements. Everything was looking okay, but they their preference was to induce me. And by this point, I'd refused induction up until this point, refused to have a C-section up until this point. I was just done. So I was like, yeah, let's go, <laughs> like, let's go for it. And I'd, in my head, I had put a little bit of a timeline on it. Um, I think as soon as I got to 38 weeks, I was just like, I'm just done. I just felt, I felt okay with being induced. And I also knew what that meant, if that makes sense. I knew the ramifications 
I knew, and this is probably maybe where hypnobirthing and the tr- and the courses I did with my first pregnancy really helped. I knew as soon as I said yes to being induced, I knew that I was um, consenting to step on that medical cascade. And I knew that and I was okay with that. So that's really important. Medical cascade being, you know, if you have, if you're induced, you're at higher risk and higher chance of having a C-section, higher chance of having far more interventions um, used during delivery and birth and labor and all of those kinds of things. So, but I, but I chose it. That's what I wanted. I don't want to be pregnant anymore. It felt right. Yeah, let's go for it. So I stayed in the hospital, got my husband to come, waited around. We were waiting around for a consultant um, because um, birthing with twins is like a big deal. They need like a million people around. So we ended up hanging around the hospital for ages thinking, oh, I'm going to get induced today. Anyway, five o'clock came, six o'clock came. I was like, I don't want to start being induced at like seven o'clock at night, like and labor through the night. That sounds rubbish and exhausting. Thankfully, the consult came. I was like, sorry, we've been busy. Can we do it tomorrow? I was like, yeah, that sounds much better. Let's get a proper night's sleep and then induce in the morning. She's like, okay, we'll take you down to the labor ward. I was like, hold, not the labor ward, the maternity ward. I was like, hold on. I live 10 minutes down the road. Can I, why can't I just come home and sleep in a proper bed, get a good night's sleep and I'll see you in the morning. I'm not actually in labor. <laughs> so um, we, she was like, yeah, good point. That's fine. So I came home, had a good night's sleep, packed my bags and then we went back to the ward, to the same room um, the next morning. I was already about two or three centimetres dilated, so the plan was just to break my waters and see if I would go into spontaneous labour, and if that didn't happen, then I would be set up with a drip to, um, I've forgotten what it's called, picotin, whatever it is, you know, the um, uh, the drip to uh, encourage labour. Sorry, my brain's gone on blank on that. Um, which I did have towards the end of my labor with my son because everything stalled a bit. So that was the plan. We got to hospital and the time we said, obviously they were running late. We hung around. I was hungry. Actually, I'd had a massive breakfast. This is, this is the downfall. Like they don't let you eat in hospital. You're doing like an Iron Woman event and you don't get to eat food. This boggles me. I'm just like, what? This is like the most athletic thing I'll ever do in my life. And you're asking me to do it on no fuel? Thankfully, they did give me Lucozaid, which I hated the taste of, but I think did help. So I did sip on rank Lucozaid throughout the birth. Anyway, so eventually it took a while. Um, we had midwife, a midwife and a, mid, a student midwife in the room all day. So we just had them all day, which again, wouldn't be my preference. I really just wanted to be left alone. But I knew oh, this is kind of what I've chosen. I was really just like, stop talking to me. I just didn't, I don't like having people around me. I'm quite an introvert. The idea of giving birth with lots of people around is not my ideal. So this is positive, but a positive story, but again, not because everything was perfectly, perfectly how I wanted. But I knew that, again, I knew what giving giving birth in hospital meant. I knew that there would be midwives around me. So I had my headphones on, eventually waters broke, waited for spontaneous labor, that didn't happen, got set up with a drip, that slowly went up over a couple of hours, me and Joe, I bounced on a ball, I walked around, I was constantly like peeing myself, not peeing myself, but the waters just keep, felt like I was peeing myself because I kept dripping out all the time, 
We watched um, TV, I think Parks and Recreation. We watched um, Sweet Home Alabama. I think all these films that are just like mindless films. And then I think probably real labor started to kick in probably about two o'clock. Contractions were getting quite intense. Um, and they asked if I wanted an epidural. And by that point, I was like, yes, yes, I would. So we had the anesthesiologist, anas- anyway, the person, the doctor, come. I'd had a really bad experience with um, that with my first. I never had an epidural uh, officially, even though I wanted one with my first pregnancy. And I'd had a bit of a bad experience with one of the doctors. So um, I... Anyway, asked the doctor a couple of questions. She seemed very confident, had an epidural. Really glad I did. So glad I did. Having had a pregnancy with no, uh, sorry, a birth with no epidural and a birth with an epidural, my personal choice is to have an epidural. (laughs) I'm not doing, I'm not going to get pregnant again, but that would be the choice. And um, it was still pretty intense, especially with an induced labor um, because your contractions and the rate, you know, getting that drug right the, with uh, with a drug-induced labor, you, you know, your uterus can sometimes be working a lot harder. You know, there can be a lot of, um, it can be a lot more comfortable. Un- not more uncomfortable, because I don't know, but it can make your muscles work uh, a whole lot harder. So that um, happened. And then, sorry, I just paused in case I can hear a girl crying. Yes. That's Luna crying. I'll be back in a second. I'm back. This is why I don't record podcasts in evenings and why I built an office in the garden. <laughs> anyway, um, epidural. I had that done. And then just labor progressed. I um, was in the birthing room. Um, had two midwives around all uh, the whole time. Also, I knew, again, that this wouldn't be my ideal, but I knew it was what the hospital would want to do and I a lot of a lot of these choices um a couple and I've mentioned this a couple of times aren't my ideal but I also knew the best thing for me personally was to not um fight people on it and to make the choice like embrace the fullness of the choice that I had made which is giving birth in hospital um and being induced which is a choice I made um and um, just embracing the fullness and the consequence of, of that choice, even if it wasn't ideal, if that makes sense. Um, so I would have preferred not to have lots of people around. And, um, you know, I had to, they were constantly trying to get, keep an eye on the heart rate of both babies. So two baby monitors going on, which is super annoying to move around. And labor is um, really helped by movement, squatting, walking, standing, not just sitting on a bed, which I knew. So again, it was just this balance. And for me, I find confrontation really draining. So for me, I knew that my main job and main focus was to really focus on calming my nervous system, being present, um, feeling safe within that environment. And confrontation doesn't make me feel safe. So I knew my job was to calm my nervous system and to feel safe and just embrace the path that I chose and I chose to have a hospital medically assisted birth and I'm really glad I chose that I'm really glad that I made that decision it really felt like the right one for me and in the line of work that I do it felt like a really good lesson to honor that path as well 
So um, labour progressed, slowly got more dilated, lots of visits from lots of people. I was well aware that the actual time of birthing of the girls, would the room would be busy. There would be a lot of people on board. Um, there is a lot more concerns about multiple deliveries and twin deliveries just because of risks and all these kind of things. I didn't feel scared about that, to be honest. I knew, I kind of knew the girls were healthy, that they were fine. Even with the scan and the movement issues, I just felt like they were kind of okay, but I was just ready for them to be born (laughs) and to see them and to meet them. So labor progressed. I did get a bit anxious that it was going to go on for a long time. My first labor was about 36 hours and the length was probably the most difficult part of that. Um, I um, wanted my approach to birth is like you can enjoy anything for in like a day's all in a day's job, if that makes sense. So I did get concerned at one point and the midwives who were on with me were on a 12 hour shift. So they were like, oh, no, we're hoping this baby is born before our shift leaves. You know, they started at seven in the morning, they were finishing at seven at night. Unfortunately, labor didn't really begin for me until like midday. So that wasn't the case then. But um, labor did progress. We, um, everything was looking fine. There was a couple of stuff that we did to try and help with labor. I won't go into all the details of it, but I managed to stand on my knees for a while, even with an epidural, which really helped. We watched my big fat Greek wedding, which I always find really funny. So that helped. I had my positive birthing affirmations on and their music over, just playing over and over again. I had headphones in. I bought some smells and scents to just help with that. I brushed my teeth (laughs) and I really focused on, with every contraction, just my hip and breathing birthing, just breathing in, breathing out, really calming my nervous system. And the midwives were like, wow, you are really calm. Like this is, you know, they know, they noticed my, um, just ability to sink in and breathe. And again, just because I'd practiced it and I'd tuned, I'd trained my body to a specific set of music to breathe in and breathe out and to really focus on that breath work. So that really helped just to keep me calm because it was getting uncomfortable and intense and all the things that labor brings. And then at about um, seven, half six, the consultant came in and she was thinking, okay, you're getting fully dilated now, 10 centimeters, we'll give it an hour and then we want you to start pushing. And to cut a long story short, uh, we got to that hour and um, I'd had a top of my epidural by this point because um, there was some weird stuff going on um, and it was time to push and um, pushing with an epidural is a very bizarre experience and so it was a bit frustrating because I knew I had the muscles and the strength but it was trying to find said muscles <laughs> to push so we were pushing for about a good 40-45 minutes they don't like you to push for too long because it's distressing for the baby so um, I got them to maneuver me, maneuver me a bit more. So I was squatted, more squatted down. And then we, they did use, um, was it stirrups for a while? So I did feel like I was in some sort of American TV show. Again, some of that stuff wasn't my ideal. Like, cause I know birthing isn't helped by being on your back. I would have liked to be more mobile, crouching, squatting. But again, I'd also chosen to have an epidural. So I did the stuff that I knew I could do in terms of maneuvering my position to support baby coming. And that did help progress things. The midwife was like, oh, squatting was a good idea. I just had to get them to like position me to squat, if that makes sense, within the bed that they could do. The bed could move so that I could squat. So that was really good. 
I was pushing, things were getting a bit slow, I was getting tired and a bit frustrated, um, and there was a bit of chat going on, like, you know, if baby, if, basically if this baby doesn't come soon, we should, we need to go for a C-section, and I was like, I've not gone this far to have a C-section, not that there's anything wrong with that, but I'd rather have just gone for a C-section straight away, not go through basically labour and then C-section, which I know plenty of women do, and it sounds really hard. So anyway, baby number one was born. I did have an episiotomy. That's probably the only thing that has a bit of a negative acid taste. I would not, I did say on my birth preferences, I did not want one. I'd have preferred to tear. Um, But I think the midwife was a really experienced midwife, bless her. I think she did it to maybe get the baby out quicker. So I would have preferred... So if it was between that and going to theatre, this is my take on it. I could be wrong because I'm not a birthing professional. Um, Is as soon as she had done the episiotomy, then Luna was born. So if that saved me going on a trip to theatre, then great. Um, And so, yeah, um, baby number one was born um, and that was Luna. I I still sometimes am a bit undecided if I should tell people who was born first because, you know, there's like a whole vibe that goes with that. Um, Anyway. And then they broke the waters because they were both, both of the twins, they are fraternal twins, I think. <laughs> I can't remember now, it's been a year. But they're both separate eggs, separate um, birthing sacs. There was a membrane dividing them, separate placenta. Like they were very different babies that would just happen to be in my womb at the same time is an easy way of thinking about it. So um, Luna came and then they broke, and there was tons of people in the room by this point, like there was like two neonatal doctors, there was two consultants for me because uh, all the stuff, there was midwives, there was like so many people, probably about 14 people in this room, it was jam-packed, I wasn't paying that much attention. Um, Luna was born, she was totally fine, so I got to hold her, I asked for skin on skin straight away, so they're all covered in gook and it's kind of gross and kind of awesome, um, and she was born and then they um, uh, they have to be really careful with twins. They don't, it can be common for the second twin or twin B, as she was called, to as soon as the first baby comes out for them to change position. So sometimes they can flip or spread like a star-like position. So as soon as Luna was born, I had one of the doctors literally lying across my tummy, li- like literally her whole body across my tummy and kind of squishing my belly essentially to keep... At rainbow from flipping and basically being like woohoo I've got room <laughs> to keep her in position because both babies were head down I should have mentioned that um both of the babies were head down from quite early on I think because they couldn't move because <laughs> there's two of them anyway um and so I had like one doctor over me there was the other doctor or somebody breaking the waters and then within and then this was the bit I was a bit nervous about is having to then spend like another 45 minutes pushing baby number two when I was already tired and you know but actually Rainbow was born in about five minutes I think so they broke the waters and essentially Rainbow was like whoosh whooshed out and they would be like, look, make sure you catch her. And they did, obviously. And she was born and totally fine. No drama. Uh, so as soon as both babies were born, everything was fine. A lot of the room cleared out then. A lot of the doctors, and you know, t- like everything was fine, essentially. So they all left. And I um, got to hold both babies. And, um, oh, this bit makes me emotional. I got to say, I did it. Look, I did it. 
I did it. I gave birth to them both. And it was the birth that I wanted, um, which was a vaginal delivery. And I it was it was what I had visualized um for months. Um I visualized lots of things, but I just had visualized so much giving birth to them, however that came, and then just saying I did it. And being so proud of myself. And I am really proud of myself. Um really proud of myself for that process. It was um not easy. Like it was positive. I have good feelings about it. It feels like a positive birth, but it was uh wasn't easy. It was definitely helped by the fact that it was my second birth and labor, so I knew more of what to expect. I knew the drill a bit better, the sensations a bit better, which was helpful. And um but yeah, there they were. I got to hold them both, have skin on skin. We did a first feed with them, which was mental. I basically had like a midwife on either side holding them while I try and fed them. And anyway, just all bit ridiculous trying to get two babies to latch on. Um, but we did a first feed with them and um, we did delayed cord clamping. As I mean, as much as you could with twins, with Luna. I think we delayed it for a couple of minutes, but Rainbow was going to be born <laughs> quite soon after. Um, and then they got all cleaned up and I was starving, like so hungry by this point. But um, I had lost a lot of blood in my first labor. So we had to wait. Um, I had opted. Um, there was certain drugs that we needed to wait till they were fully administered just to prevent me bleeding out too much in my first, um, like I did the first time around, which really affected my blood supply, uh, my milk supply, sorry. Um, so we had to wait to do that and then I had and then everything just got very quiet and the girls slept I gave them lots of hugs and fed them and all those kind of things and then the midwife stitched me up and she was really lovely she took flipping ages which I'm actually very grateful for because I had quite a um a poor job done should we say first time round um because I, my son was born via forceps, so I had an episiotomy then, and I think they stitched me up poorly, and that led to lots of problems, and the midwife could see that <laughs> this time around. She was like, sorry, this is taking so long, but I'm just kind of trying to undo some of the, <laughs> the previous um, bad job, essentially, reading between the lines. So she did a great job with that, which I'm so grateful for, and she was a really experienced midwife so thank you I can't remember your name but thank you for taking care of down there and stitching me up properly and then I was just waiting till I could eat something I was so hungry and bless him my dad was bringing me a bacon egg and avocado sandwich at which I, that was just what I was craving so much and the hospitals give you like a roll and butter and I was just like I am sorry that is not gonna cut it I am starving by this point, I'm just on a whole day's work of like physical labor. And eventually about midnight, I got to have the best bacon, egg, avocado and ketchup gluten-free sandwich. It was amazing. And my dad made an enormous, well, my mom made it and my dad delivered it. He obviously couldn't come into the hospital, but he like, you know, gave it to Joe at the car park because it, it, the girls were born in another lockdown. So Joe was allowed in the birthing room, but he couldn't, you know, all the restrictions, blah, blah, blah. And so that would just tasted amazing. So we did that. Then um, I got transferred to the ward. 
and Joe had to go home and they were here. They were both really healthy. There was nothing wrong with them. I wanted to go home as soon as possible. I do not enjoy hospitals. I don't enjoy mask wearing in hospitals. I don't enjoy, I had two babies in a tiny ward in a full ward with lots of, you know, all the things, really stressful environment for me, but I knew this about myself. So as soon as I got woken up in the morning, why they wake you up at 6am? Anyway, I was like, I want to go home as soon as possible. Like, I want to go home as soon as possible. When can I go home? I want to be discharged as soon as possible, which I think they were grateful for because they were busy. So, (laughs) and obviously everything was okay with the girls, the checks, with me, everything was looking very fine and very boring, which I'm so grateful for. So the girls were born at about nine o'clock-ish on a Tuesday night. And then I was home by half one on the Wednesday. So that worked out well for me. And I was so grateful to be home and have space and to not be pregnant. Honestly, it was such a delight to know I'm not pregnant. I know lots of people, it's not a popular thing to say, but pregnancy was so tough for me. I'd rather give birth over and over again than be pregnant, honestly. The the sickness and of the hyperemesis is like nothing I've ever experienced in my life. It was brutal. Birth was much better. <laughs> like more intense, but in my experience. So I got to come home and then the adventure begins <laughs> of our first year with twins. Um, so yeah, that is their birth story. Um, their full names is Luna Aurelia Ann Hall and Rainbow Sophia Ruth Hall. I um, It took me a long time to get over the shock, to be honest, that I had twins but now that I've had, they've been here for a year, I'm just like, oh, I can't believe I did life without you. It's been a really intense and hard year, but it's also um, been much better than I expected. And I was so scared about having twins um, that I wouldn't cope. And actually, you know, we're made of stronger stuff than we think, turns out. And also my recovery actually generally from pregnancy and birth, I've been really surprised at how well I've recovered, how well my, how good my energy is, my hormones are, my, like all of these things. And I do think that's a lot down to just the, the foundations that I have in my health. And also I know exactly what to focus on so I can very quickly narrow in quite quickly on what to support. I also had a really, I got a lot of support postpartum, like food, help childcare. We were technically in a lockdown, but to be honest, I didn't care. I'd just given birth to twins. So whoever wanted to help me, if they were comfortable with it, we had a lot of help. People in the house delivering meals, people that didn't feel comfortable, obviously like um, dropping, you know, leaving meals on our driveway. Um, all so much help. I'm so grateful for, um, which I'm sure I'll do another podcast on. But the birth itself, it was not my ideal. I would have loved to have given birth at home but I chose to give birth in a hospital I chose to be induced and it was a really positive experience there was a lot of laughing at my big fat Greek wedding and parks and recreation there was a lot of breathing a lot of just being in the zone that kind of meditative inward state of just breathing meditating focusing and I got the kind of birth that I wanted my ideal birth um, not my ideal birth but my birthing preferences for the girls was that they were born within 12 hours, so all within a day's work, that um, that things progressed at a steady-ish rate, and that everybody 
was healthy and that I felt empowered through the experience. And all of those things happened. And I, um, it was a really refreshing and positive experience. It was, you know, intense. It was hard work. It wasn't perfect. But I know that in the twin world, it's actually very unusual to share um, vaginal deliveries and to share positive stories, to share stories where um, twins don't come prematurely. That when I was looking, when I was pregnant with both pregnancies, I devoured positive birth stories of every type. I read them all and I just found them so helpful because we generally just get conditioned to think like birth is terrible and, and birth is tough it's intense and it can be really traumatic so I kind of really wanted to intentionally brainwash my, myself in the other way just to help reassure my nervous system and my body that you know things would be okay and um and so yeah I that's why I want to share this story so that there is another positive twin birth story out there and that maybe you don't have the ideal birth that you want and but that's okay. Just because it's not the perfect birth doesn't mean it can't be positive. It can't be um, good. And um, yeah, like it was a, it generally the feelings in my body, there was a bit of sadness, but like that's like 5%. Overall, I'm really proud of myself and I feel really chuffed that I got to have the kind of birth that I had with the girls and really um, grateful for the support and of of the medical system if anything were to go wrong and to have the pain relief and all of those kind of things I feel really really um blessed that that was how they came into the world and I'm just amazed that our bodies can do this that we can make a human and birth a human I'm amazed that we can make two humans at the same time and birth two humans honestly the whole giving birth to two at once was really less of a big deal than I thought like I was totally like, oh my goodness, I have to like do like push them out twice. No, that was much better than I expected. That was great. Like four minutes later, out she came. I was like, great. This is, it actually didn't feel that different, if that makes sense. I know other twin stories can be, birth stories can be different, but it didn't feel that different from a singleton birth, to be honest, um, which is nice. And yeah. I'm very grateful for the experience. I'm grateful for all the support I had. I'm grateful that I planned in loads of postpartum support. Um, I My personal opinion is that we, um, I do think you, you can prepare for birth. And I think the best advice I give to any mother is to, the main thing to focus on is training your nervous system to calm down through meditation, breath work, visualization, whatever works, constantly train, treat it like you're training for a marathon, but you're training your nervous system to stay calm, to stay feeling safe. That really is one of the best things you can do. And the next thing is to prepare for all the support that you need postpartum because your babies will be born. I I had my preferences with this birth, but I also really tried to be so open-handed and open-hearted because I knew my babies would be born. One way or another, they were going to be born. They would be born. I, I gave up trying to control how. I just kind of went with the flow and trusted that it was all going to work out for me. But the thing I could control, because I am a control freak, FYI, is all the postpartum support and care. So I had loads of meals, meal trains, chiropractic appointments, physios, 
therapists, like all the things lined up. And I'm so glad that I did. So I hope this is helpful to you. Um, please share this with anyone that you feel like it is appropriate for. I know it's a little bit different to my usual podcasts, but I feel like I want to share the stories of how Luna Aurelia Ann Hall and Rainbow Sophia Ruth Hall entered the world and they've changed my life. Um, and I'm so glad they're here. And it was such a brutal road, but a really kind of positive ending, if that makes sense, in terms of their arrival. So sending you lots of love. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being here. I hope you find this helpful. I hope you learn how to listen to your body and make choices where you feel really empowered, whatever they are. And I'll see you next week. Lots of love. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you haven't already, please head to iTunes and leave a review as I would be so grateful to get your feedback and it really helps me to reach more people. If you are interested in working with me, you know the first thing you need to do is head to keziahall.com forward slash book to book in your Zoom call. This is a really informal chat. We'll just chat through what the program's like, what you might need, what lab tests are going to help you best. Like you can just get all your questions asked. It's no, like you're not committing to anything by having one of these calls. It's a really chilled, fun chat. I would love to speak with you as much as I love running this podcast. You know, it's always nice to have someone talk back. So if you're interested in working with me, I do have spaces. Head to keziahall.com forward slash book and we can chat soon. Otherwise, thank you for being here and I will see you next week.